The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you comfortable discussing money and your personal wealth? If not, where would you start? Is it money and your family, money and charitable contributions, or business and personal wealth? This is Conversations with Money, featuring your hosts, Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our show is about real people talking about money. You will develop a better understanding about your conversations with money and also hopefully develop some new habits to make conversations about money easier. Now, here is Franco and Marissa. Welcome. You're listening to Conversations with Money. I am your host, Franco Caligiuri. And I'm your host, Marissa Sapolinski. Marissa, did you, do you know that uh, the couples actually argue? <laughs> of course I know that. <laughs> <laughs> what do we argue about, though? That's a whole other discussion. Well, that's, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And if you and your spouse argue, and I, I'd say probably most couples actually do, after all, disagreement in a marriage is natural mm-hmm, from time mm-hmm. to time or any uh, relationship, healthy relationship. But studies show that how you argue will either strengthen your marriage or weaken it. Mm-hmm, of course. And one problem in marital conflict is the tendency for couples to argue as if they're a parent talking to a child. <laughs> have you ever experienced that before? Of course. I happen to have some experience with that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, saying things to your spouse like you should or you had better do that will not resolve a problem. It only creates someone being defensive. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're approaching it in a very authoritative way. So it's an authoritative message. It's the way a parent would speak to a child or how someone in authority would handle a subordinate. Mm. <laughs> well, if you want to um, get in touch with us or follow our conversation, please go to Twitter and you can follow us on Twitter at Your Money Matters. And the M, well, the matters is M A T T R S, there is no E. Or you can go to our website, which is www.capitalcorefinancial.com. Or you can uh, like us on Facebook and you can go to Capital Core Financial. You can uh, reach us during the, during the show uh, with an email and that is info at capitalcorefinancial.com or you can call in and we love to have uh, people call in and that number once again is one 472 Five seven nine zero. Now, Marissa. Yeah. So, what I'm thinking is, since this show is titled "Conversations with Money," we should probably explain why we're talking about why couples fight and the topic that people often seem to be fighting about. <laughs> well, it's. Uh, I want to ask you this question, Marissa. Do you think that? Uh, where do you think uh, actual? Let's say about money. You know, when people, they, they fight or they argue about money. Where do you think it ranks? Do you think it ranks ahead of, of, of sex, arguments about sex? Uh, I would say they're probably close head-to-head. I would say top 
three? Top three? Top three, if I had to guess. I'm guessing you're leading this towards it being one of the top. Well, I'm going to tell you the stat here that I came across, and 70% of married couples argue about money ahead of fights uh, about household chores, togetherness, sex, Sex. snoring, (laughs) and what's for dinner. I've never thought about snoring. (laughs) (laughs) Now, why, why do you think this happens, Marissa? Why do you think that uh, we're having these arguments? Well, I think oftentimes, given, given a lot of the research that we've done over the years and working with people, I think two people come together. I, I'm not a, a marriage counselor or dating coach, so I, I can't say for sure, but two people come together. They share some sort of values. They have some physical attractive and emotional attraction to each other, but they come from their own, they have their own stories that they bring with them the story that they were told as children, the story that they that they brought with them as adults into this now partnership. Yeah, money scripts. Money scripts. Oh, good title. Money scripts, yes. Yeah. So now you've got two people living in the same space trying to build towards goals together with different money stories or money scripts as you called it. And so it's really not difficult to start fighting about that. And I think that that plays into all the other things. You start fighting about that and, and you take that role, as you mentioned in that article, the woman takes, starts doing the should have, would have, or what have you, and then it turns into the mom talking to the child tone. Mm-hmm. Then it ripples into effects on, on the rest of the relationship, i.e. sex. Yeah, because these are beliefs that we have about money. You know, they're mm-hmm. subconscious. They're, they're deep down subconscious thoughts that we have, and they're multi-generational. We just don't come up with these ideas. They come from, from years and years of oh, what we're taught. I see my grandmother's dialogue on money and how she is and then how that transferred down into my mom, and I hear my mom's language. And every once in a while, even though I've been so conscious not to do it, I find myself saying things, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was my mom, or oh, my God, that was my grandmother. And it's, it's still, with even all the awareness and all the consciousness around it, it's very hard to stop that dialogue from playing out. And we're trying to fight it. Well, yeah. Hmm. And I, I think that's the key thing. I think instead of fighting it, because I did spend years trying to fight it, instead of trying to fight it, I think it's really recognizing it, coming to terms with it, and becoming okay with it rather rather than finding it just becoming aware of it and then being honest with your partner about it so sharing with your partner this is what goes on for me when this happens because of the way I saw it in the past and this is the story I play out or this is what I make it mean when you tell me we don't have money for this or we need to save for this or it's more important to pay the mortgage down than to go on vacation or save for the child's education or whatever that might be. And then to share with each other what's the internal dialogue I'm telling myself when you say that, then you can start to understand each other. Yeah, because couples, they they come to a play with entirely different money scripts. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I think it's important to, say, to, to mention that just because you do doesn't mean that you have to be part of that 70% statistic uh, on fighting about money and you have to be part of that, you know, 50% divorce rate. It just means that there's, there's a recognition of a need to have the discussion. There's a recognition of the need to have the discussion as to what is your money script? What is the story you tell yourself on your ability to generate wealth? What is the story you tell yourself on 
your current situation, how you got here, what's stopping you from achieving the things you want. Share that with your partner. Because we will come to the table with different uh, approaches and different mm-hmm. beliefs. Mm-hmm. And but- so it, there, we should respect those differences and beliefs that we have. Because they, they, are, they are competing belief systems. Right. But again, I'm going to stick to my point here. The discussion needs to be had. And I think that's the missing the key missing piece here. Well, because what it does, it, it usually is the root of conflicts over money. Mm-hmm. You know, couples are often doing fine financially, but they disagree with their partner's way of thinking. So while money is a catalyst, it's not actually the problem. Because you remove money from it, from the conversation, the argument, it generally can be traced down to other roots. Oh, it, it's never actually about money. It's not about money. And that's why it's funny. I sent you that article uh, that I read in the newspaper the other day in regards to that couple that was earning 460000 between the two of them, and yet they couldn't make ends meet. And they were living rent-free, minimal fixed expenses, but they couldn't make ends meet, and they were still in the red. 450000 a year. 460000 a year. And, and so somebody had written, back, written in to give feedback to uh, an advisor saying – to what was the advice? Oh, the advice was work an extra day, make more money. And I shook my head reading it because it has nothing to do with the money. It has nothing to do with make more money or they're going to find themselves in the same situation until that couple sits down and has that honest discussion, that, that dig, that deep, honest conversation about their stories around money and why they feel entitled to living in, you know, obviously a higher, higher lifestyle than, than they can afford. They will continue. They'll work an extra day and guess what? They'll make more money and they'll spend more money. The, the, the issue the will issue continue on. The is way deeper than just make more money. It's not about the money. There's so much value in sitting down and having a discussion about manuscripts. I mean, some of the questions that you can ask each other, ask your partner, well, Marissa, yeah. Let's pretend we're a couple here. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay? Here we we're go. We're a couple. So, Marissa, what did your mother teach you about money? Mm. <laughs> what are your financial goals and fears? I want to know what your fears are about money and what your goals are. We can act and couples can act as therapists to each other. It puts everything in a new perspective when you do that. Yeah, it. You know what I think. I'm it for is? the answers. Oh, <laughs> you know what I think it is. I think in relationships, it's it's not a fun conversation. Like as you say that, I'm thinking to myself, Have I had this conversation with my partner? And I'm thinking to myself, it's not exactly like, you know, a hot bedtime talk. Like, hey, babe, what did your mom tell you about money? Or what's your biggest fear tell around me more. money? Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, is this a conversation I want to have with my partner? Of course, but is it? Is it necessarily easy to approach and sit down and, and fun to talk about? I think mm, it can be, you know, it's. It I can, can be think of other wrong. things that I uh, want to be ahead. talking about. Having a nice bottle of, uh, of wine, yeah. going out What's to your eat, fear watch around a movie. Money? That's right. Um, hey, dear. Yeah. But when you do talk about and, and ask those type of questions, it allows you to be able to open up and to really understand your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and have that dialogue for sure. Because or else it can remain a mystery. And so when you do get into an argument, 
You know, it could be simply just going out to eat and and arguing about uh, spending two dollars on a, on an egg roll, but it's not really the egg roll. That's not the issue. There are many aspects behind oh, that. It's always it's always rooted much deeper. You see those fights about the tiniest little thing that that it's really something that's so much deeper that has nothing to do with that thing. I think money is an easy entry point. It's an entry point to open up, you know, a big, huge discussion around all of the issues that we carry around with us that's very emotional, very close, which I think is why we don't want to have that conversation. There's a lot of emotion tied into it, especially for men. I met with uh, I met with a, a man recently who you know shared with me his a lot around his fear as being a man and being able to you know need to seem like he had things under control and he need to seem like he had this issue around his image needing to be able to take care of and needing to understand needing to be financially secure. It's the same as the whole men and women in asking for directions. I love this metaphor. What do you mean? Well. Uh, Men, how, how I, often, I always ask how for directions. often do you like to stop? Always. When was the last time you pulled over to the side of the road and asked for directions? I'm pretty sure you can't think of a time. That's why <laughs> That's why we have smartphones. I know. Pre, that's okay. why GPS Okay, that's I'm going to take GPS you back exists. to pre-smartphones. Or if you didn't have your smartphone. Look, even if the GPS brought me into the middle of a park, <laughs> I am still following directions <laughs> right. with the GPS. You're in the I middle right. of a park, in the middle of nowhere, but you won't ask for directions. Women have no problem. Well, I'm not going to say no problem because I've, I've had times where I've tried to figure it out myself. But significantly better at stopping and saying, I need help. I need direction. And I think it's easier for women to admit that we don't know everything. I was reading a stat on, I believe it was 70% of women felt their financial education was poor. Yet, and and 48% of women did not feel confident making any financial decisions. So almost half of women don't feel confident making financial decisions, but yet we manage over 30% of the financial income. So, Where do you think that comes from? Where do I think which part comes from the lack Histor- of it? historically men have managed the household expenses, paid the bills. Mm-hmm. But if you look at st- stats or studies that that we, there are plenty of studies that have come out in the last fifteen years that have shown proven that women are actually betty, better money managers than men. But we still have this hesitation, and just what you're saying there still have the fear of managing. Or being confident in managing the, the the expenses, the bills, yeah, it's making interesting. Those decisions. Yeah, and it shows that women are better budgeters. Women are better trackers. I can go on and on about the things women are better at, if you'd like. <laughs> women are better at asking we'll stop for directions. There. No. no, but I think, and, and the reason I was circling back to asking for directions comparison is it's it's similar to how we are with asking for financial help, asking for financial education, asking for financial uh, assistance. You know? Well, well men, men believe that they have the answer. Men are always trying to solve the problem. Well, let me ask you this. In, in a relationship, uh, at times that, uh, that, that you're unhappy or something's bothering you, do you want the guy to solve the problem right there or you just want somebody to listen to what you're talking about? What would you prefer? Listen, you know, I like to talk my story out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and that's true. Actually, that's something else is men, I think, and from the Well, we want to solve the problem. Yeah. What's the problem? Fix problem, solve it, need to have a solution, move on. Let me get my power tool because I will solve that problem that you have. Right. 
I think that's a big difference is that women aren't looking to solve the problem instantly. We're looking to talk it out, explore options, which is also why when we meet with women about financial planning and they're looking for education, they're open and interested to sit down for multiple meetings, get them up to speed. They see the value. I, I see women's eyes light up so much quicker than men when you present the idea of taking them through the concept, educating them on the concept, educating them on their financial situation and, and, and you know, things that we can do and exploring options and taking them through that process. Men are more so, I need a solution. I want to fix the problem. And I don't feel comfortable even saying that there is a potentially a value in me learning here and, and asking for direction. In my experience, you're looking at me with these big white eyes like, oh, you <laughs> but there is a significant difference in the way men and women approach that. So who do you think actually tells the truth? Where are you jumping to? <laughs> are you even la- Well, let, let, uh-huh. let, let me, I want to I share something here. So if we're looking at uh, you know the spouses, so both both spouses, who do you think actually points the finger to who they think is makes more frivolous purchases? Oh, interesting. Uh, well, I think it's definitely men, in my experience. Not to throw <laughs> men under the table here, Pointing but the finger to the men. Um, well, let me tell you this. So both spouses, so both think the other is the spendthrift. But when asked who was more likely to make frivolous purchases, men were more likely to point the finger 43% of the time to the op, to, to, to their spouse, where women, 34%. Which is interesting because women are more spending money on the household, the family. Most of their spending – People think that women are out spending money on, you know, the shoes or the the new outfits or what have you. Women's spending was tracked back mostly to caring for the household, the family, the food, making sure, you know, that there's enough food to take care of everybody and that the household items are taken care of. So the, the finger pointing, it, it's funny. They're good points, but... I'd really rather not enter into a situation, and I think that's a big thing that you need to nip in the butt as soon as you start the finger wagging and the pointing and the blaming. Blaming is not going to evolve this. Blaming is not going to take this 50% divorce rate and the and the 70% of couples fighting about money. It's not going to solve that. Again, going back to point number one, we need to we need to have this discussion. The, the couple needs to sit down at the table and share their money script. Share their story that they were told. You know, share exactly like you asked, what is your fear around money? What are your goals around money? How does money play out? Right. And I believe that, uh, you know, that definitely is very important because studies have shown us and and, and they tell us that partners who fight about money weekly are 30% more likely to end up divorced than those who disagree over money only a few times a month. And this is a study according to Utah State, the uh, researchers. Mm-hmm, well, yeah. let, let, let me let me paint this a uh, uh, picture here. So let's say we have a couple, yeah, and they're in their late twenties, uh, and let's call husband here uh, Joe, and uh, we'll call the wife Mary. And, and Joe, you know, he wants to focus on paying off his student loans, while Mary insists that they need to purchase a real estate, want to have a home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, we hear this all the time in the boardroom, sitting down with people. So why do you think that uh, – well, let me, let me paint the picture a little bit more. 
And let's say, you know, with Joe, he grew up where his parents, they actually, all they did was just rent. So that was normal to Joe. That's normal. So for him. There's no rush. On there's no property. rush. Because there, there isn't that emotional attachment. There isn't that Let me guess. Process. She heard something as a child about the importance of having a shelter and a home and a roof well, over their head her that up, they own. Yeah. Her upbringing uh, leads her to, to believe that home ownership is a bedrock of a financial future. Oh, for sure. And this is a common, this is a common uh, clash, I think, in terms of ways of thinking and philosophies. Ultimately, they're probably going for the same thing. It's interesting because if you tear down what's the value driving both of their their goals, it's probably security. Well, security it, is the yeah. thing that came up over and over and over and over again with women. Security for making sure that they can take care of themselves, long-term stability. They're not looking for the fancy-schmancy creative strategies where they may lose money. You know, I, a lot about men are more like winning and losing, willing to take more risk. Women are stability. Women are security. And with her push for the home, it's likely for stability and security purposes. That represents, as you said, the bedrock. That represents security. For him, when he's saying, I want to pay off the debt, it's probably also driven by security as to know, okay, we're debt-free. I think the question is, is what does debt-free mean to him you know, that it doesn't mean for her. Well, there, there, there's costs associated to home ownership. I can imagine Joe's thinking that there's the, the property taxes that have to be paid annually, the maintenance costs, uh, cutting the yard, the lawn, the actual costs of the upkeep. There's a lot of responsibility in purchasing and owning a home. I understand what you're saying. I could understand, you know, for women, that security, that peace of mind, Knowing that there's a place that uh, that they're also building up equity in case that uh, it's required at some point in the future, because if you just break it down to the basics and do the number crunching, they probably be able to see that they can do both. They can accomplish both, but because they're coming into that conversation with the emotional aspect, everything that they've learned, everything that they 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 were taught, they observed through their parents and the parents' belief myths, whatever it may be, it's emotional instead of looking at it from yeah, a pure statistics. Yeah, and I can statistics. see how if you try and it on, I'm trying numbers. on this woman, you, and you just try on being the man. If you go into this situation believing that your way is the right way and you feel like it's essentially the thing that's protecting your security and safety, I would feel, it feels scary to me when I try on what that would feel like because it's like I'm, a pro, I'm coming into the situation almost armored up ready to defend my stance, fighting for what I want, which is the home. And you're fighting for paying off the debt. And we're essentially going to battle for what we think is the most important thing. It does not feel partnership to me at all. Well, why do you want the home so badly? It represents, it represents security, uh, safety, long-term stability. Those are the words that come to mind first. Well, we can rent. We can move around. We, we're not committed to a place. If something breaks oh, down, we can, we can that move on. That does not on. feel safe. That does not feel long term. Our budget doesn't allow it. Hmm. It does. I'll make it allow it. It's, it's funny. It's, I'm so stuck on my way that I'm not even hearing what you're saying. I, it, and that's what goes on. 
And that's that's the thing that needs to be addressed is we need to sit down and look at openly what's your way and what's my way. And unbiased, I need to really listen. I'm not listening to you right now. I was so focused on how to defend my argument. I wasn't even hearing what you said. You want that property, don't you? Yeah. And, there's, and, but there's so much value in sitting down, having a discussion about the, those many scripts. And listening to your partner, actually listening. I just shut down right now in an attempt to defend my, my side. I didn't even hear what you were saying. So I imagine that's what goes on for all couples when they're fighting about money. Well, here's, uh, here, here are some stats for you. What, what couples fight about when they argue about money, 55% fight about mo- uh, spending. 37% fight about saving, 27% fight about deceit, and 11% being excluded from decisions. And just to share with you, I can speak on that. The, the last point, being excluded from decisions, for the longest time, I would make financial decisions on behalf of the family, thinking that I... Well, my obligation was I had to take care of the family mm-hmm. and to create that security. But I didn't, wouldn't share with my wife until one time I wanted to make an investment and she just completely shut down, wasn't even listening. And then I started asking her. And then it was uncovered that because I never included her with the decisions made in the past, didn't matter what the opportunity was, didn't matter what I said, she wasn't going to listen. And well, and you see how you earned that. I clearly see now. Yeah. And then when I changed the way that I started to talk to her, and that point going and at that point forward, going forward, I made sure I included her with every decision that is made. And the relationship that we have right now, it it is so much better. So much better. How did that feel though when when she shut down? Well, I couldn't understand. Why she, why she wasn't responding. I thought I was doing the right thing for the family. So going back to the man's perspective, for me, I felt I was doing the right thing. That's how I grew up. My money script was my father took care of the household expenses. I took care of everything that the family required. And so I'm going to make these decisions. But I got to tell you, now that I include Carrie because she brings – um, in such a, such a different approach, a different perspective, the decisions that we make are so much better because now both of us are coming and we're approaching it with two different thought processes. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's just that initial moment that, you know, the moment where, where she said, no, I'm done. I, I picture her uh, standing up for something that was probably building up for a while in her, knowing that she's not involved. And I can see how in that moment, had you both not been committed to evolving this and committed to working together as a partnership, how it would be so easy to let that flare up a series of fights and then separate. And you read the statistics about things like that, starting arguments and creating a separation and how that leads to separation. Divorce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, good for you for, I, I didn't realize that back in story between you, you and your wife, and good for you for, for taking the initiative to have that conversation, even if it took quite a while of making decisions on your own. It, it's interesting. I think as men, I think you think that you're doing the right thing. You know, 
it's like I've been in the car with someone before where you're where you're saying maybe we should stop and get directions and they just keep driving and driving and hitting the the wrong places and I really do believe that the person that's driving thinks in the moment that that's the right thing to do <laughs> they're like proving that they know I'm not going to ask for help how how in God's name would we ever know you know we're not taught this stuff we're not taught you know, the objective way of looking at money and what's the best strategy and how to use it to build yourself a future, to build real security. The real security is the knowledge and asking for directions and learning. That's how that $450,000 income family would get themselves into a situation where they don't need to work more. The missing piece is not working more and earning more. It's asking for help and taking help and tearing apart your money stories and sharing your money scripts and looking at how you got yourself into that situation and to not do it again. Great, you make more money, you spend more money, and you're still going to be there. That's not the solution. The solution is having that conversation. The conversation is so critical. The Until I actually understood that, until I understood that I needed to share and I needed to run by what I was thinking with my wife it, our marriage couldn't progress any further. You know, we talked about and I shared some numbers where what people, what couples argue about. I'd rather actually not have money as part of that argument because there's many other things that we can talk about. I'd rather talk about our goals. I'd rather talk about sex. Yeah, I'm still laughing because I think, this is, I think men think about sex every seven seconds and yet money ranks higher than sex and fights. That's impressive. We have it all wrong. We have it all wrong. <laughs> now, if you want to join... Now, we're going to fight about sex. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to me, that's a better that's a better thing to fight about. But if you want to join in on this conversation, love to have you join us. You can call in at uh, our toll-free number, which is one 472 5790 Or you can email us at info at capitalcorefinancial.com. Or follow us on Twitter. Love to have you on board. And our Twitter handle is at Your Money Matters. The Matters is M-A-T-T-R-S. Or you can also go to our website. You can actually see what we look like. We have a little <laughs> promo clip on our website. And that's www.capitalcorefinancial.com. Or you can like us on uh, Facebook. You can go to Capital Core Financial. So we're going to break. Uh, you can check us out uh, or come on back to the other side. We're going to continue to talk about money. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. 
Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Conversations with Money with Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at capitalcorefinancial.com. Now, back to Conversations with Money. Welcome, you're listening to Conversations with Money. I am your host, Franco Caligiuri. And I'm your host, Marissa Sepulinski. Now, before we went to the break, Marissa, we were talking about, uh, well, how couples can, can argue about money and some of the causes uh, that lead to arguments with money. Now, let's say we have an individual um, in a relationship that isn't willing, isn't willing to have that conversation Divorce. There you go again with divorce. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I'm Marissa kidding. And divorce. I know. My boyfriend brought that up after that episode. <laughs> he was like, babe, you said divorce way too fast. <laughs> I was kidding. Okay, this time you delayed by four seconds. <laughs> I won't send him this show. Um, yeah, so, hmm. I mean, I think the motivation is, not motivation, I think the thing to look at is, what is the motivation for that individual who's not willing to have the discussion? That I I get where you're going. I understand it happens, and I we've seen it in the room where you know there's a man with their arms crossed, not willing to even go there. That's a limiting way of approaching the world, and that inability to have that discussion will trickle into all elements of their life, let alone just this relationship. So. And we've seen it. You've seen it. And you see what happens in those relationships. We've seen it from beginning to end where it ends up creating a separation between the couple. Is it workable? Is it something that can be fixed? A hundred percent. We've also seen the flip side where, you know, the woman slowly, if she's smart about it, um, can slowly make it more and more comfortable to have the discussion. It doesn't have to be this painful, you know, like painful process of pulling out, oh, what are your biggest fears around money and sitting around crying? It it can be, you can make it a fun thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, yeah, you, you can you, definitely you can make it a fun discussion. So, so what can a couple do to make it fun? Well, I mean, my, my wife and I, every week, um, we'll, I'll make a nice cappuccino, perfect 175 degree temperature, which my <laughs> wife likes. But we talk about these, these our goals, money, budgeting, and we've done it for so many years now that it, it's second nature. But in the very beginning, it was difficult to start that process. 
And what we would do, we would just simply just, okay, here are the receipts, here are the numbers, let's input them. But then gradually over a period of time, it became easier. And so we were able to have those conversations. We were able to uh, ask those questions and talk about our fears. And But it comes over time. Don't rush. Don't rush the conversation. Hmm. Just one day, all of a sudden, tell me about your fear about money. What did you learn from your mother or your father about money? Mm-hmm, yeah. I think that's an important point for sure. Baby steps. Baby steps are a good, you know, I guess that would be that solution. Slowly making it a conversation, but it does not, not making it, make, not making an uncomfortable situation, but also not waiting for a disaster to have the conversation. You know, and not bringing it up at a store, not bringing it up at a a dinner with your friends when you've already, you know, noted a series of experiences in your head that you're willing, you're about to blow up on, you know, or you're at the store and it's about that $2, whatever you said earlier, it's a $2 or $5 transaction. Egg roll. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it turns into an argument. Those are generally multiple experiences that have been bottled up inside. So ideally you get away from that and you can be somewhat proactive and start having the discussion, but it doesn't have to be this long dreaded, painful discussion right off the bat. Day two, what do you feel like talking about? Let's just whip out our bank statements. I don't think so. That's, that's generally not as much fun as I find that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it does take time because my, I, I didn't grow up that way. I didn't grow up where we would sit down and talk about money. It was just a, a general acceptance that uh, my dad would take care of the household. And, and where my wife, she grew up with having a ledger. Her mother gave her a ledger and she recorded her expenses. So she bought candy and she would re- write down that expense. That's so funny. I had a ledger. I don't know if I told you that. My dad gave me, I still remember, it was a Hillroy book. And I still remember it was a blue cover and it had a debit side and a credit side. And I got it when I think I was 10 and I had started babysitting for the neighbors. And every time I had money, I gave it to my dad. My dad was the bank. I actually don't know what he did with that money. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was the bank. And I would give it to him and I would put it on the debit or credit side. And that's how we tracked everything. And mm. I loved it. I I, I loved it because it, it, I felt uh, like I had a cognizant, like if I had an awareness around how much money I had. I, I, it, I felt like an adult, like there was a definite adultness to it. Um, Although I still, like I said, I'm not completely sure where the money went. <laughs> but I, it created a desire to, or an understanding of the importance on seeing visually for me too where my money's going and understanding the in and the out. For me, the debit credit was understanding in, out, in, out, where, what money's coming in, what money's going out. I don't know. I your, your wife had that as well, but I don't think everybody has that. And so I can see how a lot of people go from not having a financial education to being adults and thrown into a job where, you know, maybe they made it through school and now they've got an income and they have no idea what's coming in and going out. And that's how you end up with those $450,000 income couples that still aren't managing to make ends meet. But again, it's not the money. It's the, it's the lack of the Hillroy ledger in and out, <laughs> debit credit. If, if, we only had a perfect world where edu- money was was discussed. Um, part of the financial, or part of the education system. Part of the education system, you know, to grow. It's it's like going to parenthood. <laughs> there are many books on it, but mm-hmm. until you actually experience it and go through it yourself, nothing can prepare you for for becoming a parent. Uh, 
And same thing with money. All of a sudden now you may be jumping from 20000 to 40000 of income to, and then start making uh, 300000 In this example, you gave 450000 And until we change that mindset, that approach, and how, how we view money using it as a tool not to fill some emotional void or, or trying to fill whatever that uh, emotional thing is for, for us, for you, it uh, you won't be able to to manage money. You won't be able to master money and, and use it as as how it should be used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another interesting piece that I was reading on. I'd be curious to ask your thoughts on. I we haven't talked about this yet. Is how do you feel? I think as a male, well, you are a male, but how do you feel as a man? Thank you. That's a <laughs> Thanks very for recognizing good my observation. Sexual distinction. How do you feel as a man in regards to risk? Well, risk is think about it well in 16 years of being an advisor i have been more successful in having a conversation with women mm-hmm. about risk about risk and and then with men i find that women okay, are, wait, stop. you yes how do you feel about risk well yeah it's a good question because as an as an advisor, it's something that I have had to work towards understanding because it's it's something that we I advise clients with and to get them to understand. And where I was going with what I was saying is I found that women tend to be more honest. And so what I've learned is to be more honest about the risk, about how I view risk. Now, Myself, I have no problem with being very um, risky with my money. I, I have had, I've invested money. I borrowed money to invest and, and saw it uh, go up and down with swings of 80% both, both ways. Did that change when you had children? It, uh, the, the change, when I had children, the change that I experienced was that I needed to produce more. It wasn't I had to protect more. Okay, so when you had children, you didn't feel like you needed to take less risk? No. Actually, I ended up taking on more risk. But you produced more. But that's a conversation for another day. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I, I felt the need to, to produce more, making sure that the family was taken care of. I would never put them. For me, my, yeah. I started to, started to have this feeling that I need to take care of them, so I needed to work more, I needed to produce more, make sure that they had everything taken care of. Yeah, it's, I just, from my experience and from everything I understand about women and men and the differences, women take significantly less risk. Well, do you? Do you feel that you take on less risk? I mean, we're, we're in a business partnership together. Yeah. The way that we approach things is very different. <laughs> We've had arguments. Yeah. We definitely have. Uh, I think. Would you like to share some of them with the audience? <laughs> I think women generally. Let's just get off me and talk about women. No, in let's general. talk about. No, let's talk about you. I think. I think I am in a stage in my life now where I'm looking to take less risk. I think as a woman, generally looking for an understanding, like a comprehensive understanding. Like I, I like to understand. I like to talk it out. I like to understand, and I want a method, 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 methodological. Like, what's the word I'm thinking of? I want a. What do you want? 
Methodical. Methodical. Okay. Solution. You want a system. Yes. Thank you. It's first day, new, new okay. word. <laughs> I want. What do you mean by that? A solution. I want a system. I like to see a solution. Problems. It's starting to sound like a man. I know there is a bit of maleness in there for me, but with it, with a female touch of wanting security and less risk. So. So when I approach you and say, Marissa, we need to spend ten thousand dollars on this uh, program because it will help our business. Where do you go? This is actually a therapy session for us right now. <laughs> Where do you go? I think it's still every once in a while when, when you come with those types of things, it still br- definitely brings up a bit of fear based on just wanting, I want to know security. I want to know numbers. I want to know that that will provide, I, I want to see data that supports that, that's a, that it's a secure investment, that it will pay out. I don't My like, wife's the same. I don't like the risk. I don't like if you were to come to me with something that had no backing, I would say 100% no. See, and that would be a hard one for you and I. And we, we've had these conversations where we we've have. sat down and debated. In many ways, it's, it's, it's similar to a partnership where you look at the risky and non-risky and you sit down and have the conversation because there's been times where I've crossed my arms and said no. And you've crossed your arms saying, I want it. Well, because I see for me, I, I try to look at the bigger picture. I look at the, okay, this $10,000 can translate into 50000 within a period of 10 years. I can't come to you with tangible numbers, which you, well, you said you were looking for that, but I am also basing it on experience and also there's a risk. There's, and there's also an yeah, excitement for me too. A risk that innately, for some reason as men, it seems as though- It's exciting. It's exciting and more- okay. Just it's like talking men about it. are like more excited. okay taking it than women. Yes. And I don't know if that's because women were the ones that physically give birth. And so we feel this responsibility in making sure there's enough financial capacity to care for the children. Uh, or if it's a matter of just wanting the security to know that we're okay. Um, I, I don't know necessarily what drives that desire for security, but it's definitely more apparent in women than in men. The way we approach risk which, again, as everything else, trickles into every other thing we do. To buy a home, to not buy a home. To pay off the debt, to not pay off the debt. You know, where to live. How much to save. Do we buy a cabin? Should we have enough aside for, for the children's education? All of those things all of those things will play out differently dependent on that. How the man and how the woman approaches money and risk and security. You know, what does security mean for you versus for me? It might be very different. It likely is, and that's probably why we keep arguing about money. <laughs> Anyways, I think we're going on a break. Is that what's going on? We're not going on a break. We are going on a break. <laughs> no, we're coming to the end of the show. Oh. That's great that you're paying attention. That's fantastic, <laughs> Marissa. That's how into the content. I really am sitting here thinking about this. We do have a few more minutes, though. Should we so, talk about what's going on next week? Well, why don't you wrap up, uh, Marissa? Summarize uh, what we talked about. Well, I guess to summarize what we talked about, we're just starting the conversation. I feel like we've got weeks and weeks of stuff to dive into here. Uh, Women and men, we look at things differently. Apparently, we have different ways of approaching the world and different ways of approaching money. Uh, 70% of, of arguments are around money over sex and all the other things. The only sex is the only one I remembered. 
And men are always right when driving. That is driving. not correct. Women are better at asking for directions. <laughs> this ends up being just an argument between who's better. Women are better at asking for directions. We take security more as a higher priority. You guys like to look at risk as a little bit more soft. <laughs> well, hopefully you, you enjoyed our show today. Uh, we want to want you to join us next week, uh, and as we will be discussing real estate, we will be having a guest, Dave Collette, and he he'll be uh, walking us uh, and working us through the world of real estate. Real estate is definitely a very big conversation, so we're quite excited to. I'm have- excited. Dave's a great realtor. He's the one who sold my place. Oh really? Yeah, that's he's, fantastic. He's a great realtor, so I'm. He and he's got a great personality. He, he works well with. I think he'll be a good one to have on next week, and we can continue diving into this conversation in regards to uh, levels of comfort around using real estate as an investment, or just a home to buy or to to rent. Well, if you enjoyed uh, our show and want to follow us, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, and that is and the handle is at Your Money Matters. Matters is M A T T. RS, there is no E, just to make it a little bit different. <laughs> and you can also uh, go to our website and you can see what we're all about. And our website is www.capitalcorefinancial.com or you can like us uh, or be our friend on, on <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> and that is Capital Core Financial. Or you can send any questions that you have until our next show. And our email address is info at capitalcorefinancial.com. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to seeing you one week from today. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please join Franco Calagiri and Marissa Sipolinski again for another edition of Conversations with Money next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wealthy week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 